0: Welcome to the Dearly Discarded Podcast, where we tell the true stories of the vaccine injured that many don't want to hear. These are real people sharing real experiences, uncensored and unsanitized. Listen and learn with us as we tell the stories that have yet to be heard by those who've been discarded. No preaching, no propaganda, and no judgments, just the truth.
1: Welcome to the Dearly Discarded podcast. My name is Jared St. Clair, and I'm your host for each of these episodes. And I'm really excited for my first international uh, interview today. We're going to be talking to Tyson Illing- Illingworth. I believe I got the name right. I hope yes, so. he did. Yeah. Uh, excellent. Tyson, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thanks for having me. So Tyson, you and I have never met. We've uh, spoken for about a minute and a half, you know, prior to recording this. So your story will be brand new to me as well as to those listening. And I'm really excited to have you here uh, on the show. Thank you. And uh, so I, I want to ask you just first uh, for people that are listening and uh, tuning in that aren't aware of who you are. Uh, tell us a little bit about yourself.
2: Okay. So, yeah, I'm um, an Australian, uh, currently in Australia at the moment, and i uh, I'm a composer and music producer, sound engineer. I write music for things like some of my recent projects have been Disney on Ice, um, various TV commercials. um, And also I release pop songs around the world that are on the radio and tour the world and play those songs to thousands of people.
1: Well, you know, I am a uh, as a kid, I wanted to be a DJ. That was uh, my thing. Now, you know, back then. DJ was a little different than what it is now, I guess. But, uh, you know, I wanted to be on the radio, uh, you know, playing songs. And, uh, well, that never happened. So I decided to do podcasting instead. So uh, what you do is extremely intriguing to me. What an amazing career. I, I love that. I've I've always wanted to do a podcast, actually. But
2: um, <laughs> So, yeah, it's funny. It's funny how, you know, is the grass greener on the other side? I, I don't know. You get to do it from the comfort of your own home.
1: Exactly. Yeah, I've actually been doing local radio for about fourteen years, uh, but uh, talk talk radio, nothing having to do with music. But I'm a absolutely massive music fan, so uh, very excited to to talk to you. So you are uh, you're in Australia. You are someone who you tour with your music as well, right?
2: Yeah, absolutely. There was a point in my career before the pandemic where I was playing. 150 shows a year so that's wild that's um like every night in a different city so i'd sometimes i'd go to asia and i would be playing one night in indonesia and then one night in macau and then hong kong singapore taiwan and then all around china and like it was just never ending and then i'd fly to canada to all of the cities there and then to america and yeah so on so uh, i'm definitely um i got thrown around the world a lot
1: yeah that's that's an interesting uh it must give you just crazy perspective being able to see so many different uh parts of the world and different cultures and everything that would be a a really uh interesting career for sure
2: yeah it's it's wild to think because um you know for me it was it's music and uh my passion is music but it's it's really cool to you know to think back like it when i was like 20 or even 19 onwards, I was like randomly seeing the Great Wall of China or the Taj Mahal or, <laughs> you know, all, the, all these things that people like, you know, they put on their bucket list. I was just automatically checking them off by being in those countries playing shows. So, you know, I didn't get to stay for long periods of time anywhere, but I always get to like at least see some cool stuff. Yeah. And, um, yeah, but... I, it was really, really cool to have like so many years of seeing all these different cultures and how people live and and um, yeah, get that that worldview, I guess. Of it. You
1: know, it's it's quite quite. absolutely, yeah, absolutely, so cool. So, uh, how long have you been touring? Um, since I was sixteen. Um, I'm thirty
2: five. Yeah, I'm oh, wow, now. And um, when I was sixteen is when I started to play my first interstate shows. So from like my first shows as a DJ were in Brisbane, Queensland, Australia. Then I was playing in Sydney and then eventually I was touring all of Australia. And then, uh, I guess a big fish in a small pond. I wanted to jump to, um, the rest of the world. So I moved to LA, I lived in LA for 10 years and yeah, from, I'd been playing up until the pandemic, I'd been playing shows around the world, like everywhere till everything was locked down and then I moved back to Australia.
1: Well, and Australia was locked down about as much as any country in the world based on what I've read.
2: Yeah, well, what was wild was it happened. So it was a delayed effect. So um, my last international shows were in Taiwan. And I remember quite clearly, like, getting landing in Taiwan Airport. And I'd honestly not heard of the word COVID. Um, and... I landed in Taiwan and everyone was wearing masks and people were talking about this virus and they were saying, you know, we're really worried it's going to come out of China and get to Taiwan. And it was kind of just like sneaking its way to China. And I, I was like talking to the promoters who could, uh, some of them speak English, but I had a translator and they were saying, well, oh, don't worry, you know, it's not going to come to Taiwan. And anyway... Uh, when I left, when I flew out of Taiwan and got back to America, I went back to Los Angeles and said to my friends, like, you wouldn't believe what's going on over there. There's, like, this virus that's, that's gone around in, in Taiwan and in, in China and that region. And um, then it was, like, weeks before everything was locked down in New York and I was in L.A. going, oh, I hope it doesn't make its way to, like, L.A. And then suddenly, boom, it hits L.A locks down there. And then there was just a year of no, no shows and nothing. And then, you know, Australia was living it up. They were all at that point, all my Australian friends were like, Oh man, how are the lockdowns in America? Like that, that's wild that you, you guys can't go out and do things. And I got back to Australia and that for the first few weeks, I felt free again and (laughs) was, um, I was amazed and Like wow, like people walking around the street. It was it was just weird to see people walking around the streets without masks on, and not threatened. And I remember my mom saying, "Oh, you're finally like safe now. I'm so glad you're out of the out of the dangerous part." And I said, "I watched this thing follow me from Taiwan to LA. I don't. I wouldn't be so sure." And she said, "Oh, it'll it'll you know it's you know then it hit Melbourne and Sydney and all of that." They'd been locked down and then uh, here in Queensland, no one had had it and still people were saying, oh, it won't happen in Queensland. And at that point I was like, no, it's going to happen everywhere. Like it it was pretty, it was really weird to see, like as a touring artist to literally watch the thing travel behind me like a tidal wave. And yeah. Yeah. That's
1: really, really interesting perspective to have, uh, lived it that way. That's wild. So then when you, you, you got back to Australia, when, what, what, uh, time of year was that?
2: Um, it was the, um, the end of 2021. So around November, 2021. Okay. Yeah. November, 2020. Yeah.
1: All right. And at, at that point, had you, um, done anything with vaccination at that point?
2: No, no, I, um, had it, uh, it wasn't a mandated thing, um, in, in California or Australia, uh, until about, uh, like on my first vaccination on October 2nd last year, sorry, October 1st last year,
1: October 1st, uh, of last year. And, uh, yeah. which vaccine did you receive? The Moderna. The Moderna. Now, you said your first, so you did receive both of those, yeah. the, the first and the second?
2: So, yeah, so uh, I got my first one, and um, the first things that happened were just the normal kind of feeling fluy and sick. But uh-huh. um, I started to, um, across the period of two weeks, not be able to feel my hands or my feet, and um, I was losing my motor skills quite rapidly. And uh, I couldn't, couldn't feel my hands. Like I couldn't, like I could touch them like this, but there was no feeling. It was the weirdest sensation. Um, and, you know, being 35 and have never felt that experience, I knew that that something has to be up. So I texted my spinal surgeon and I said like, like, Hey mate, uh, what does it mean if I can't feel my hands or my feet? And he sent me a text and, his first message was, Did you just get the vaccine? And I said, Yeah. And he said, um, I don't want to alarm you, but if the symptoms you're getting are not feeling your hands or feet, then it can only be evidence of a catastrophic neurological failure or problem. So get to the hospital now. Um, I went to the hospital, was. Uh, became an inpatient and my motor skills just continued to rapidly decline while I was in the hospital. And to the point where I, you know, it was hard to walk. Um, you know, I wasn't completely paralyzed, but I was, you know, having to do tests to be able to walk around traffic cones. And at some points I was knocking them over and yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd lost my like functionality in my, like a lot of my body as it slowly kind of moved up my arms and legs. And then, sorry if I'm ranting, don't if, if you want no, you're fine,
1: keep, so, keep yeah, telling I, your story. So
2: um, yeah, from there um, in the hospital, uh, the I I was asked by, my spinal surgeon said to demand for a D-dimer test. Um, I asked for a D-dimer test and they the doctor said, no, there's no need to. and. I had said, but I want one. And it became quite a little bit aggressive about getting that. Um, to this day, I still haven't seen the results of that test. They said it was all fine. Um, and they quizzed me on any previous drug use that I'd had in my life. And I named, I, I could have named anything. I mean, um, everyone's been shot like, in, the, in the music industry. Everyone's like tried something. Like I'm not, I'm not claiming to be like, I'm not talking about things like heroin or hard drugs like that, but I mean, I could have named anything, but I named nitrous oxide and that was, a, it's, it's happy gas. It's used as a general anesthetic by mm-hmm. dentists regularly. So the, the second I said that the doctors immediately became very dismissive um, and discharged me from the hospital with, um, neuropathy diagnosis a diagnosis of neuropathy they they did a an mri of my brain and my spine and they found a legion in my spine and um they said that it was neuropathy due to use of nitrous oxide um which is perplexing because after speaking to multiple doctors afterwards um that kind of you know previous use of something that's used as a general anaesthetic um, shouldn't cause acute paralysis instantly within, you know, three weeks of taking a vaccine. Like, you know, like I think it's a, you know, if you're trying to find the cause of the issue, um, I felt a little bit gaslit in the sense of like, you know, here's something we can pin it on. So we'll pin it on that. But I believed them because I'm, I'm very pro science and um, very much for the scientific method. And so I, I said, to the, I, I took that, I took like an idiot, you know. I, I mean, a lot of people have called me all sorts of things on the internet since I made this story public. But um, a lot of people have said, well, how stupid is it for getting a second one? But I honestly never thought that the medical industry could be. I just didn't think it could be corrupted i thought doctors take an oath to help their patients and so i asked the neurologist if you know i'm safe to take a second moderna shot um and she said absolutely and you should because if you don't your first one will be redundant you have one month window you have a one month window to take the second and me being a touring artist where my sole income is touring the world and if you're not double vaxxed uh you know the, the risk was never to have a career again um i at that point wasn't skeptical enough and didn't you know something in my gut told me this is this is the vaccine not just that something but also doctors that were texting me their friends of mine but i took the when, you know when the neurologists said you really have to get the second one uh yeah i did and um, it sent me back to hospital the second time
1: with the same. Wow. Time. So, so how were your symptoms with the second one compared to the first? The
2: same, I lost all my motor skills. Again, I was, um, I was staying, I was bedridden I was staying with my mom at the time because like, even just, you know, trying to get, like, uh, food and things like that, just daily tasks were, were really hard. Um, but it faded. Uh, I do remember asking the doctors if I'll ever get to, like if I'll ever be able to walk properly again and they shrugged and just went, I don't know. There was just no information. There's no, no real, like there's no information on this and they assured me that it's not the vaccine because neuropathy is not a listed side effect. Well now just close to a year later it is a listed side effect in many countries and Mm -hmm. since my article went public and I mean I I think it only went public because it's a little harder for people to censor me because I have a verified you know account with thousands of hundreds of thousands of followers and fans but um yeah uh I I was able to cut through to the mainstream media in australia a little bit uh, but but it's funny because i thought they were interviewing me to ask you know to talk about if this is a possible vaccine injury but instead the articles came out like dj makes outlandish claims about doctors and they spun it that way but the weirdest thing is that you know I don't want this to be a sob story about me because I'm, there's people way worse. I've had hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people now write to me and tell me that they have, they can't feel their hands and feet. They've had neurological issues. And um, I I couldn't believe it. So um, I actually went to five different doctors and, um, I asked them if this could be a vaccine injury, and all five of them said yes, uh, but they said they can't write it down or they'll lose their job. And that's when that was that. That's when I took it to the media because it wasn't about me. It's like what is going on when doctors are fearing deregistration uh, because they can't talk about something. That's that's limiting free speech and it goes against, it goes against the very nature of science. The whole point of science is to be able to speak freely on a topic and have peer reviewed studies scrutinized and all of that. So that, that's when it really became an issue for me that was worth talking about, you know? Um,
1: Oh, absolutely. Yeah, and 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 thank you for doing that because we really, in order to forward this conversation and get the word out to as many people as possible, it is, it is people like you that have a a, a large following uh, that need to speak up and and not be silenced. And and yet, I know that I'm sure you've come under fire besides the media. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah, you know? I've
2: come, I've come under fire. So yeah, yeah
1: yeah I mean it's it's really interesting because even locally here uh, you know my I, I'm on local radio in in Salt lake City Utah and and speaking my concerns about the vaccines and how they were rushed to market and things like that uh, very early on in this process I I received letters from, you know, angry people listening, saying that I was going to be complicit in the death of thousands for making people vaccine hesitant and things like that. The, the fear and the censorship, the combination of those two things that happened throughout COVID have really thrown a major wrench into science actually being done and, and the proper research being done, as you said. And it, it really does smack right up against the scientific method when there can only be one side heard yeah
2: and and i'm i'm by no it's it's also really strange to have people calling me an anti-vaxxer because i got both vaccines so right you know like uh i've had every other vaccine for tetanus and measles and those things they've all worked just fine um i'm just currently a little bit skeptical slash anti the one that i got because i i mean it's it's one thing if if i was if i was you know one in 10 million or something but since my my news went live it's like the amount the sheer amount of people that have had neurological side effects are in the thousands and they're just the ones that are contacting me and and i feel i'm taking on this stress and pressure because i'm reading all these people's stories and it's making me sad and there's nothing i can do to help and here in australia um it's if all you have to do is look up apra which is um so their twitter handle is uh at ahpra that it's public knowledge that they have sent a letter out to doctors that said that any doctor that goes against the Something to the essence of the, not the mainstream, what would it, what would it be? That goes against the, the latest, um, most advanced research uh, will, is, being, is being threatened with deregistration. Um, and it's insane because I'm, I now know 30 plus doctors that are deregistered. I'm, I'm now in a network of people with doctors who have all been deregistered, some who are speaking up and that haven't been deregistered yet um even my own gp who i obviously can't name um who's helping to treat me uh has had a warning um and he said that yeah he's under fire for potentially being deregistered so it's putting people like myself in positions where we're having to secretly get treatment and the doctors are having to try to work out how to treat people, but that's, that's surely not the right way to go about things because how, how can, an, you know, pe- people, the other thing that happens is that when I say, when I said that I saw five different doctors and they all said it's vaccine related, but we can't talk about it. The first thing that people write underneath those articles are, well, where's his proof? Well, I can't provide proof if the doctors can't speak about it, and I can't like leak recordings of doctors secretly speaking about it, or I'm committing a crime. So, right, it's um, you know, it's a catch twenty um,
1: two. Yeah, and and the thing is, you know. The- I have had so many conversations now, like it sounds like you have, you may have had more than I have with people who've been injured. And the story, you know, here in America is the same as the story you're living there to, to a very large extent. There, there are doctors who are willing to say, yes, this is what's happened, but they're almost never willing to say it on the record. They'll yeah. potentially say it in secret with their patient. And then the doctors that do say anything on the record are absolutely um, uh, blacklisted, and and uh, there's all kinds oh. of uh, you know backlash that happens. So is that
2: ha- is that happening in America too? Because the thing I like from my ten years of living in America, one of my favorite things about your Constitution is the right to free speech. And obviously, I don't implore free speech if it incites violence or anything like that, but like, you know, within reason, but we're talking about medical doctors who've studied for seven years and have racked up $250,000 in student debt to get to where they are and then are now being threatened to be deregistered if they just talk about a subject. That's terrifying. That's like a slippery slope to totalitarianism, and that worries me.
1: Uh, Absolutely. And the thing is, yes, our Constitution, in theory, Should protect against that type of backlash. But I'll tell you, I have had uh, all of the people that I've spoken with when, when I've asked them about the medical care they're receiving and the doctors that are actually helping them as opposed to the doctors that have turned them away, because most have been turned away by multiple doctors who aren't willing to help them because they're frankly not willing to admit that that is what the root cause of their symptoms are, is, is the vaccination. Then we have to edit out if they do mention the names of the doctors, we have to edit out the names of the doctors to protect them from getting in trouble yeah. uh, with the medical boards. Yeah. This is, it's exactly the same as what you're describing.
2: That's wild. I didn't know it was like that in America. A, lot, a, part, a big part of me wanted to go back to America to see American doctors, because I was under the assumption that they had a lot more free speech than here in Australia.
1: I, I think to some degree there may be a little bit more uh, leeway maybe here in the States. I mean, I I've, I've certainly am under the impression that in Australia it seems to be a little bit more like canada a little bit more uh you know you use yeah. the word totalitarian uh than then perhaps it is in america but not much more the doctors that are treating the injured folks here in america for the most part are what are considered considered integrative uh, medicine doctors you know natural doctors naturopaths uh that type of thing and uh in many cases they are asking us not to use their names because they're concerned about their licenses. Uh, many have had their licenses revoked. Uh, it is it's not substantially different here, unfortunately. And and of course, you know, Ooh. here in America, we have Dr. Fauci, Ooh. who was you know—the the biggest voice in COVID, I think, across the world. And and uh, it is the heavy hand that he essentially ruled with here in the United States. Uh, put everybody into a uh, a really tough position. I've had the the pleasure of interviewing some some pretty big names in this battle. The biggest of which here in in America would be Dr. Peter McCullough. Are you familiar with? I him? know the name,
2: but I'm not. Yeah. yeah.
1: I've interviewed him a couple of times and, and he's, you know, he's more published than any cardiologist in the, in the history of this country. 700 different papers that have been published by him in medical journals. He's, he's as pro vaccination as you could possibly imagine, but he saw the writing on the wall with these particular uh, shots and, started to speak up about it. And he he's currently in, in, embroiled in lawsuits and all kinds of other things wow. uh, because he's been willing to actually speak. And, and the problem is, Tyson, it, it, we, we have to have those voices. We have to have voices like yours uh, among the injured. We have to have voices uh, in the medical community that are willing to speak out. But when it comes to your career, uh, many people are simply not willing to do it. And it stifles uh, the freedoms that that we all have to really get the information that we need. It's a really, really frustrating position for all of us to be in. Yeah.
2: Well, yeah, you raise a really good point. It's it's definitely frustrating. Um, you know, where, where it really uh, as well is a huge issue for someone like myself is that um, i want to trust the scientific method because i'm, I'm all about science i, I, I you know but um, if yeah if people can't even have a conversation about a topic then how can there be if they, like how can there be peer-reviewed studies done if they're if the doctors are being deregistered or told, they just can't do it or do the, do the research. Like, so who is conducting the research? This is a question, I guess, for you. I'm sorry. I know you're interviewing me, but um, like, who, who, who is conducting the research and providing the stats? Because right now I'm, I've had my eyes open to overwhelmingly uh, large numbers of, of people that have had neurological disorders, um since getting the vaccine and I would say that um, if I was able to trust like, if I didn't know uh, that doctors were being stifled and it, that that APRA wasn't stopping doctors from speaking, I would be quite happy to concede to what the hospital discharged me with like if if the if the hospital said you know this thing that you did in your past is, what gave you neuropathy, I would go with the science on it, but I can't trust the science
1: anymore because, well, that's the the, the problem with, with the scientific method is it only works if we are able to look at both sides of things If we're able to have the conversation, as you mentioned, right? I mean, people have a hypothesis or a a scientific theory, then they have to test to find out if that theory plays out. But in this case, these things were rushed to market very, very quickly. Uh, the companies that have rushed them to market, you know, Pfizer made three, $36 billion in the first year that the vaccine was out. A blockbuster drug is considered $1 billion in the first year, and they did 36 times that. that. Name, so there's plenty. That name of- just
2: terrifies me. A blockbuster block drug, like, <laughs> I mean, isn't medication, <laughs> oh man, sorry, it's just like, it's just all of this goes no, I, I still to this day, um, you know what's wild is I, I still have to have the the, the only real like band aid for my treatment is that doctors that don't want to speak up will go, well, we're happy to give you opioids. <laughs> like, I mean, you know, the, 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 like, isn't that a huge problem in itself? Like, America has an opioid epi- epidemic. Um, the doctors now in Australia, like, they're, it, it used to be that we we never want an opioid epidemic in Australia. We never want people addicted to opioids. But suddenly, it's easier for a doctor to just go, "Yeah, here's here's a script for opioids to get rid of your neurological pain," than it is for them to actually look into uh, what's causing the pain and how to treat it. Um, yeah.
1: The issues with this are so deep and so disturbing and, and it's very, very difficult, you know, for someone like yourself who uh, considers himself, you know, pro-medicine, pro-science, uh, uh, pro-vaccine, all of these things to be thrust into the position that you're in must have been incredibly uh, disconcerting I just, just... Uh, to, to have to see it in this way. Yeah.
2: I just feel like medicine has let me down just, you know,
1: (laughs) at the very least I'd say. Yeah. So let's, let's talk a little bit about where you're at though. So you, you, you had the, the, the significant side effects after the first injection, you had very similar side effects after the second injection, you're how far removed from the second injection now, about nine months. Do I have that right? Eight months?
2: Um, Yeah. So, yeah. And so I've regained my motor skills. I still have, um, Like yeah, I can walk and move and play shows. Uh, Yeah, um, but I suffer from extreme neurological pain, Um, and right now the only fix for it is actually a drug called Palexia, which is in the opioid family, and I have to take that in the morning. I wake up in severe pain. It's like this. It's 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 a really strange pain too. It's it's not like anything I've felt before. I've broken my arms before skateboarding and things like that. I, I know what you know what it feels like to be in pain, but neurological pain is extremely different. It's like this uh, electric buzzing that shoots down my spine to my feet and my hands. And like, as I talk to you right now, if I like tap my hand on the table, it, it's like this reverberation kind of effect where I feel like slight shock waves, like through my nerves. And um, so where I'm at now is just um, I'm grateful that I have my, my, all of my motor skills back, but, um, in a lot of pain all the time, unless I take painkillers and that's, that's my concern is because I don't want to be long-term addicted to painkillers. Cause that's not a way to fix the problem.
1: Well, yeah, it doesn't fix anything, unfortunately, and replaces one problem with another, uh, potentially, or 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 adds another problem. So uh, have you found other things besides the opioids that have that have helped any diet changes or supplementation or any of those types of things?
2: Yes. So um, aggressive amounts of B12 um, have helped. Um, But please don't take this as medical advice. Um, You know, I, I, I am no doctor, I'm a musician, but I'm just telling you what I've done. So I've been injecting myself daily intramuscularly with B12, just a vitamin, um, because the that was the lesion in my spine um, that showed up on the first MRI after first vaccine showed that compared with my blood panels, they were able to work out that I was severely lacking in B12. Okay, and B12 was extremely important for the for your. Um, for neuropathy right uh or for yeah so um i found that takes up the pain away a lot more but it also gives me energy in the day to like um to function um i'm i have a i do have a protocol which is a whole bunch of vitamins um like vitamin c in quite large amounts um zinc, all these things, but it's quite tailored. It's a tailor-made kind of cocktail of yeah. vitamins for, for me. Um, you know, like there, yeah. there are some people that I know that have had extreme heart issues that the cardio problems, right. um, I don't know if, I don't, I don't know what the treatment is for those. Like, I, I think I've heard, like, you know, some people use like a steroid or like prednisone
1: I think It's quite like, yeah, prednisone. But, um, I think
2: pred, that's it. Yeah. But, yeah, for me it's it's vitamins, and then um, I I have to just be strict on diet. Um, the, the reason why I do the B twelve injections as well is because you can only get B twelve, from my understanding, from meat, um, and uh, I can't be eating steaks every day because because uh, then my cholesterol goes high. Ah. so. So to make up for it, I that's why I inject the B12. Gotcha. But, um, yeah, just a whole lot of vitamins. And honestly, it's just a lot of guesswork from doctors. Um, I'm very, very fortunate to have a network of, yeah, like I said, over 30 doctors that are deregistered but are still qualified to talk to me about this. Sure. And so they've all, they've all talked amongst each other and come up with, like a a plan, but um, or or an, at least what they think is the best treatment and the things to try, but um, these kinds of treatments aren't public or made public or known because we can't. They can't talk about it. And if a if a practicing doctor tries to give it to someone with neuropathy, then they're gonna and they say it's because of the vaccine. They're gonna lose their job as well. Yeah. So.
1: Well, one of the things that I've found very frustrating in talking to people who've been injured here in the States is when I ask them that question, because that's one of the questions I ask everybody, because, you know, about I think half the people that listen to this show are people that are interested in in the stories that have not been injured. And the other half are fellow injured people that want to hear uh, hopefully hopeful news from people like yourself that, yeah, there are things that I can do to to potentially help myself. And what I have found to be frustrating is that everybody seems to be on a very different protocol. There are some similarities, but it's because yeah. their doctor is kind of doing the best they can with the information they have. They're, the information is not there. It. Yeah, they're winging it very, yeah. very much. Yeah. And so it's a lot of guesswork and nobody quite knows exactly what these vaccines are actually doing, uh, in the body. And, and so there's a lot of questions and those questions can't be answered from the research because nobody's doing the research.
2: Yeah. Something that I've found, um, that has been a, a common, a common, um, subject is that everyone that i know that has contacted me that's been vac- vaccine injured um, it seems to have it seems to have uh, heightened any kind of issue that they had in the past some people absolutely had no issues like for me i never had neuropathy right, right? I, I never had i had i had a i've never had a bad medical record and then just bang neuropathy you know um but, but there's a lot of people that have said like Oh, I had like you know this little thing that was wrong with me, but then they took the vaccine and it's like it it attacked that. Again, this is you know very unscientific of me to to say that, but it just seems to be a very common thing that people are saying, like um, that it's worsened problems that people have already had, and it's made it it seems to have like made those problems orders of magnitude worse than they were before.
1: Yeah, I um, I've certainly witnessed that myself. I, I agree with you on that and and then of course people like yourself that were otherwise uh, healthy uh, have also had you know major impacts from this there's it's it's been an interesting thing to see and one of the things that has been really fascinating to me and frankly very saddening is the number of young people. I mean, you're 35, which doesn't qualify as old in my book. I'm going to be 50 next week. (laughs) But, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, I've talked to, I've had a a 12-year-old on here and a 15-year-old and a 20-year-old and a 22-year-old. I just spoke to a 24-year-old yesterday. Uh, A lot of younger people uh, being significantly impacted by this, which is, is, I don't know, to me, even more tragic uh, when you consider that they were completely healthy going in. Do you know what's
2: wild, again, is uh, uh, so my, my business partner, I, I, I have a company that I, uh, a, f- a few companies actually, besides music, but one where we're working in um, artificial intelligence and machine learning with, with music. And anyway, uh, I was kind of talking to him about my vaccine injuries and things like my vaccine injury and I like said to him, you know, like I'm having a really bad day today. I'm getting this migraine and my vision's blurry anyway it was only a week or so ago that he told me that his 16 year old daughter um, went and got the vaccine because the, the government here made it free and they did like a uh, promotion like if you go in you can just get it she's 16 now she's in the hospital and they're rec- recommending a pacemaker for her her heart's shot um, this is this is like become normal now for me to hear I'm hearing yeah. this all the time
1: yeah I know unfortunately and, I'm hearing it too and I, and my
2: best friends who are scientists uh some of them have said to me to stop talking about it because it's unscientific and I'm so surprised I'm so surprised I, I got in an argument with one of my friends who um yeah he's a scientist and and he said that I'm doing a very big disservice by talking about it to me that makes no sense scientists should be able to question everything
1: absolutely that is how we advance science is by questioning that is what science is right at its core
2: yeah
1: yeah i i I couldn't agree more well i am super happy to hear that you've at least been able to recover to the extent that you have up to this point uh do you feel like you're still improving or are are you stagnating I feel like I've,
2: um, I'm definitely improving um, except for the, except for the pain, which I take medication for. Um, And that's what I'm currently in the process of trying to fix. So, um, you know, it was terrifying to think at the time that I may not be able to walk properly again to get that back and everything like those things back is like having a second life. It's amazing. But um, I'm just trying to find the best way to address the, the, the pain and opioids aren't the answer. Uh, but, but, but things like, you know, Tylenol and stuff like that are not, not really strong enough or not working. But but yeah, there is hope for people that have had neurological effects, especially if anyone is watching this uh, has, is in the thick of it. Um, I can at least be a, a, Be here to say hey i got my motor skills back um but yeah i i really think the bigger issue that needs to be spoken about and the word needs to be spread that doctors are gagged in australia like that's a fact that's not even like that's that's not me being a conspiracy theorist anymore like not that i ever was a conspiracy theorist but you know i i did my research i did my due diligence i i I saw five different doctors all independent of each other to and pretended as though they could be my GP just to just to show them what was going on with me. And they all said, This is a vaccine reaction, but I can't talk about it. And then when you compare that to APRA's letter that went out to everyone in Australia, all the doctors saying you'll be deregistered if you if you go against the the narrative, well it's right it's there in writing for people to see. So just the public needs to know about it. The public needs to know like How, yeah, how can you trust your GP if they can't talk about a topic? I could rant like this forever. It frustrates me quite a lot. Um, I'm sorry if I brought any negative vibes to this year podcast.
1: (laughs) I'll tell you, Tyson, the problem with this podcast is trying to keep you know, some sort of positive energy talking to uh, injured people uh, each time that I do it. But these these stories need to be heard. And what's what's refreshing that I will say, and, and, and I know you haven't had an opportunity to hear Uh, any of the other shows that I've done up to this point. But uh, I would encourage you to go back and listen to a couple of the shows, because one of the things that's been really interesting that I'm I'm definitely sensing from you, but that I've absolutely felt from many others that I've interviewed as well, is the level of positivity that uh, folks like yourself are still uh, holding out hope that, yes, I will get better. Um, You know, my life isn't over. It's been turned upside down for sure, but uh, there are, you know, there are things that I'm finding that are helping me and people still doing these interviews, even with a smile on their face, even though they're experiencing the the pain and the discomfort that you've talked about. uh, It's been very encouraging to me. And, and one of the things that I, I hope that comes from this podcast is that voices like yours being heard will start to change, these gag orders and all of the other stuff that you're talking about, because I agree that is the, the bigger picture uh, issue that we're dealing with is that we, the, those who need to talk are being told that they cannot.
2: Yeah. I I definitely have found so much comfort in, in And thank you for having me on the show. I've, I've found so much comfort in realizing that, I mean, as, as sad as sad as it is to know that so many people have been injured Uh I thought I I was pretty much a very rare case. I was told that I was a 10 in a million case or something like that. But um, there is some comfort in knowing that you're not alone if this has happened to you, that that this has happened to a lot of other people as well. And maybe perhaps in the near future, um, there'll be independent studies done that actually do cut through. And there will be these, these kind of gag orders will I, you know, there's safety in numbers. I, I, I would definitely implore anyone who's had um, a, an injury to to actually talk about it and to, to link up with everyone else because um, this gaslighting in, in the medical industry right now is is terrifying. And with enough people to say, "Hey, this has you know happened to me. This has happened to me." There's got to be a point where the doctors or the government turn around and say okay, we, we have to address this problem. Yeah, and, and
1: that's what we all need to hope for. And that's why we do this podcast. And and you bring up a uh, something that gives me an opportunity to mention React 19. Uh, for those of you listening, if this is the first time you've listened to this podcast, uh, react19.org is a great place to link up with other people who have been injured. There are over 40,000 members now, which is a sad number to state. Uh, but uh, there are over 40,000 members of React 19 right now that are vaccine injured or families of those who have died. Uh, And that is, a unfortunately, I believe, a very, very small percentage of the people because most people are led to believe this isn't happening. And the majority of people, as you mentioned, Tyson, when they they first are injured, are led to believe that, yeah, they are alone. This is a really, really rare thing, and yet it doesn't seem to be nearly as rare uh, when you start to see the thousands and thousands of people speaking out, which is why we have to share these stories. So if you're listening right now, uh, share this podcast, uh, let people know, put it on your social media feeds. We do need to get the word out and people need to be aware of what's happening.
2: Absolutely. Well, thank, thank you so much for having me on and I appreciate you talking to me about this, the this subject.
1: Hey, It's been an absolute pleasure. I'm glad we were able to, to link up. I hope that you're... Uh, Your recovery continues to get better and better and better. And I hope to speak to you again soon. Thank you so much, Tyson.
0: Thank you so much. Enjoy your day. Thank you for listening to the Dearly Discarded podcast. We encourage you to help break through the silence and share this episode with your friends and family. It's time for these stories to not only be told, but to be heard. For more information, head to react19.org and dearlydiscardedpod.com. The Dearly Discarded podcast is produced by Jared St. Clair and Michaela Hyde with support from React 19. We'll be back next week with another true story from one who lives it. Until then, join us on Team Humanity. Keep an open mind, seek the truth, and share these stories. Most of all, Open your mouth, silence won't change anything. React 19 needs your support. We're a grassroots nonprofit created by the COVID vaccine injured for the COVID vaccine injured. React 19 provides physical support through scientific research and physician referrals, financial support to those most in need for uncovered medical expenses, and emotional support by growing a community that's focused on compassionate advocacy, hope, fellowship, and improving lives. We can only do these things with your support. Your donation is tax deductible and any amount is greatly appreciated. You can also sign up for automatic monthly donations. The vaccine injured have been marginalized, censored, and discarded, but they have not been broken. Help them rise to the challenge today. Visit react19.org for more information or simply text the word REACT to 50155 and donate via text.